Do you obsess over barbecue? Or maybe you're just getting started and want to learn more. Light up the pit and join me, Kurt Mueller, lifelong barbecue fanatic and competitor on the pro circuit as I have the most passionate people in barbecue from pit masters to restaurant owners. Join me on the show, sharing their barbecue journey, their unique tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques that will make sure your barbecue gets better every time you fire up that grill or pit. Welcome to The Barbecue Life. Welcome into the Barbecue Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Mueller, although we're going to change things up here today because I want to welcome in my good friend, Matt Osmond with Blinkies Offset Barbecue. He's out of Hermitage, excuse me, not Hermitage, Nashville area, Tennessee, Bellevue, I think, to be to be precise. Yes, sir. Uh, and as a reminder, we are we are proud to be partnered up with Hound Hogs BBQ Supply. Check those guys out. They do great work. They have great products at Hound Hogs BBQ Supply on Facebook and Instagram. So we are going to flip the script today. I'm the one getting interviewed, and we're going to chat about my experience with the Famous Dave's contest up in Billings, Montana, and chat about the World Food Championship and the EAT method of judging and all things in between. So, Mr. Matt, the show is yours. All right. Very well. Well, welcome to the Barbecue Life podcast. I'm sure you're very familiar. Ms. Kurt, as you know, we love to start out talking about journey. So let's talk specifically about the journey to Famous Dave's and those competitions. So the journey started in July of last year. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked to participate in a pilot program that Famous Dave's Corporate was running. And they did it at one location in the Nashville or technically Hermitage, uh, Tennessee location. There was 10 teams and teams, you know, these are big names, uh, you know, getting basted, Blues Hog, Willinghams, uh, Sonny was there, you know, he had janky legs. So oh, yeah. a lot of great teams, you know, and that's how it all, that's how we got connected into you know, the famous days. And that's where everything started. And how did we do it that one? We did terrible at that one. We finished DAL, or as they like to say, dead ass last. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. Had never done a WFC event. Had never done, you know, anything that was judged on the EAT method, EAT, which we'll talk more about. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was very humbling. However, at the same time, I was, I'm glad that we did it. Uh, one, because, you know, I was able to make some great connections with, some absolute just just rock stars in the barbecue world. And secondly, you know, I think it it allowed us to start building, you know, a great mutually beneficial relationship with Famous Dave's and the, and the franchise uh, owners across the country. Because what happened is that pilot event was so successful that corporate decided they wanted to roll that same type of event out across the country. So coming wow. into 2023... They wanted to do 15 different locations across the country. And the whole idea here is, is to is to engage with the community, give back to the community, you know, really getting back to Dave's roots of how he started, right? That's the whole concept. And so, you know, they provide free wings. Uh, the, the, some of the restaurants, they are franchises, so they operate slightly differently, but some of the restaurants even provided a full lunch. The one, the one in Michigan specifically actually provided a full lunch to celebrate their 20th uh, anniversary. This is for you, for you, the competitors or for the crowd? For for the community. Yeah. So like, 
Yeah, it was it was it was really cool to see because they really rolled out the red carpet, especially up at the uh, Detroit location. Of, actually, it's uh, Westland, Michigan, to be precise. But they, you know, they had jump houses. They had a lady on twenty foot stilts. They had, I mean, they they really went you know above and beyond, and they provided the community a free lunch. And I'm not just talking like a sandwich and a bag of chips. I'm talking ribs pulled pork, mac and cheese, baked beans. I mean, we're talking nap time, right? Like yeah. going to bed. <laughs> so That's... I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and even in the rain, you know, they they had a line for hours and hours and hours. So again, it's just really neat to see uh, a, 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 an organization at that level, you know, focused and committed to engaging with the community, engaging with the public, uh, because you and I chat about this a lot. People, when, when they come to a, a competition or when they when they come to anything that's barbecue related, a lot of folks, of course, yes, they want to try the barbecue. That's a given. But a lot of them also, they want to chat with they want to chat with folks like you, Matt. They want to chat with folks like me. Hey, how you know what, what's your techniques? What rubs are you using? Et cetera, et cetera. So they want to be more engaging. And I love here's what I love about Famous Dave's competitions. It's a close knit. It's a close environment. I mean, you got two parking spaces. That's it. Right. So and you're out in front, you're out in front cooking, engaging with the public, which you know, trailers you know, hide like, behind. I mean, of course, you could, I suppose, but right. that wouldn't do very well if you're if you're trying to win people's choice in the win category, because you got to hand out wings. So, yeah. you know, I think that part is what I enjoy the most is is being able to engage with the community, being able to answer questions and it's just fun. It's just fun. Right. I mean, you like talking about barbecue. I like talking about barbecue. So I really think what the organization famous Dave's has done, I think it's, I think it's a great, great concept. And I have heard that, that they're doubling down next year. Uh, wow. that's, that's what I've heard. So, you know, apparently it's, things are going well. That's awesome. So you mentioned the one in Michigan that you went to compete, but th to my record, that's not where you won, is it? No, in fact, <laughs> In Michigan, I was DAL, so it's funny because I was the quote unquote, you know, celebrity pitmaster, which I don't, I don't know where that, how I got that name, but it we'll sure take I'll take it. it. So um, third time is a charm. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what you're hearing. So we were when we went to Billings, which was interesting because I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of competitors are very OCD, very, very, you know, sensitive about their their process, their timeline, their equipment, their their fuel. I mean, everything, right? Well. In this case, if, if that's you, if, if, if I'm describing you there, then your head would have probably blown off because I went out to Billings and I did not drive. I did not take, you know, my, my trailer. I took it to, to Michigan because that's about a 12 hour drive. Billings, on the other hand, is a different story. Uh, that was like 32. So, uh, yeah, decided that that wasn't going to happen. So flew out there, was really fortunate. Here's here's what, here's what's awesome about this barbecue brotherhood and sisterhood right so i was able to connect with a guy named paul Footit, and he's with checkered flag barbecue he's a billings native awesome dude we chatted on the phone i said paul beggars can't be choosers i'm flying in i'm simply asking any sort of any sort of smoker that you have that you'd be willing to lend me uh and maybe a table and a tent like i don't ask for much you know i'll i'll get everything else all the disposable stuff etc and and I can't say enough awesome things about Paul. He he absolutely knocked it out of the park. He actually, interestingly enough, Paul hadn't even competed in like four or five years. Um, and so a lot of this was, was you know, kind of not new, but, you know, just knocking that rust off a little bit. But it was awesome. I mean, I, we had, it was, 
I'm cooking on a pit boss and a Weber kettle. That's what that's what we're cooking on. <laughs> so, hey, kicking it old school and a little new school to it. But like you right. said, and and he provided you and and to me, it's been said so many times. That's what I think in the purest form, the definition of pitmaster is to be able to have any cooker pit and to master wherever, however it cooks, however it performs, that you know the ins, the outs, the airflows, the hot spots, the whole shebang of that cooker. You're exactly right. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I mentioned in my uh, live video after we found out that we won. Um, one of the things I mentioned is, look, if a true pit master, in my opinion, and I understand this may not be a popular one, but that's okay. A true pit master, in my opinion, is someone that can cook on any cooker you put in front of that person, period, in the story. Yeah. And, and I think what it taught me is that because I forced myself to learn how to cook on every type of cooker imaginable, I mean, the only thing I don't have is a ceramic style, like a Komoda style green egg yeah. or, or, you know, um, something like that. But outside of that, it, it helped me in that respect because you are going to face adversity uh, and competitions and you never know you may get asked to go somewhere that is far away and it's not feasible to take your equipment and i know a lot of guys that would that would probably say no to that right um for me i actually found it pretty pretty almost calming um because it was so unknown like i don't know how the pit boss never cooked on a pit boss now i cooked on a pellet i have pellet grills but you know, I never cooked on one and it, it performed great. I mean, I have, a, I've, I learned how to cook on a Weber. So that was fairly yeah. straightforward. But again, I go back to, I go back to that, the fact that, Hey, if you're, if you're really truly trying to be the best pit master you can be, because that's the key there. I think it's important to be able to cook on any type of cooker that that's out there. You know, obviously the term pit master is, is a, there's a lot of subjectivity there, but that's just, that's just my take on it. But again, can't say enough great things about, like I said, the, the barbecue brotherhood, the sisterhood, and just connecting like folks like with, with Paul and all the help he, you know, provided me. Uh, I mean, he even dropped stuff off at the hotel for me. Like I'm oh, in the wow. room, you know, prep, I'm prepping chicken in the hotel room. Right. <laughs> and, and that goes to the, which I think there's a guy on a uh, TikTok that's been making those videos. Uh, have you seen it? He cooks in hotel rooms all across the country, like ribs, chicken, and it, it's, it's out there. Uh, but, but I digress. Um, so that goes about the barbecue community. Like you said, you reach out, you're at his mercy to source cookers, tents, things like that. But the answer was yes. You know, and I'm sure that he was happy to do it. And uh, who is it? Um, Harry Sue, you know, in his videos and stuff, he talks about spreading barbecue love. And I think that is a perfect uh, example of it. I want to drill down kind of in between, let's go specifically to both competitions in Michigan. Uh, if I remember you talking about it, you cooked something for the first time. Uh, last time you cooked something for the first time, which I believe was a whole hog at a, um, uh, was it a GBA event? And you did pretty well? It was that, I was Memphis Barbecue Network down okay, in, uh, I was the big pig jig down in okay. Georgia. So you cooked a hog there and you got, was it fifth? For took fifth and whole hog. And I got to give a shout out to my good buddy, Kenny, Kenny Bottoms uh, with Pig Feathers Farm. He's the only person uh, that I get whole hogs from. He's in he's in my area, uh, South Augusta area. And uh, here's here's an interesting thing. 
is Kenny had two hogs down there, ours and Bubba Grills. Uh-huh. Bubba Grills took fourth in whole hog, and we took fifth. Good. So pretty consistent. I'm just hogs. saying. <laughs> so yeah. So um, in Michigan, correct me if I'm wrong. You cooked lamb. We did. So kind of give the listeners some context here. For these WFC events, it is a quick turnaround, which is another thing I like. So you set up at 7 a.m. day up. So 7 a.m. Saturday morning is loaded. No means no early prep. You can't inject or do anything the night before. So for these for these contests specifically, the WFC did amend uh, the rules uh, for these contests specifically because of the compressed time frame. Okay. Um, and so they amended them to allow you to trim, brine, inject, et cetera. It's, it's small cuts of meat though, right? So we're chicken, ribs, and then a wild card. So chicken, pretty self-explanatory, ribs, same deal. The wild card is exactly that. Literally can be anything. Dessert, main course, side dish, appetizer, you name it. So really it's, it's completely up to your imagination, which is actually kind of fun. Yes, it's stressful. You have to kind of think about it a little bit more, but it's a lot of fun. So in Michigan, I got a wild hair and I said, you know what? I've never smoked a, a rack of lamb. And uh, lo and behold, uh, it, apparently in that area of Michigan, it's very large Greek population. Okay. I didn't know that. So because of that, there's a very large selection of lamb at pretty much every grocery store, which again, is not something I'm used to. Uh, and I said, you know what? Heck with it. Let's do it. And that backfired in a very big way because I overcooked the crap out of it. I mean, just completely like annihilated it. Uh, hey, you live and learn, right? So much, so much got, like the first rack of ribs you've done, or the first pork butt, or what it, that those first try at something. There's not too many folks out there that nail it. No, you don't. I mean, of course, you, you sometimes you have luck on your side. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we, we cooked the crap out of it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Um, and so we didn't, you know, we didn't fare well. I mean, again, we got overall, we got we got DAL. And, and it was, and, you know, hey, hey, it's humbling, right? You go up there, you're cooking next to a guy, by, you know, uh, uh, Bert McLean with PB&Js, you know, awesome dude. Yep. Uh, you got uh, Chad, I'm not even trying to pronounce his last name, with Q fellas. And then we had Dale uh, with probably one of the coolest you know, logos I've ever seen. And now, of course, I can't remember the name of his team, but, you know, it, it was uh, what I thought was really cool is, is to see what people came up with on the wild card. You know, like I did lamb. There was a cheesecake. Uh, there was uh, somebody did. I believe they were they were Scottish eggs, which uh, essentially is basically like sausage wrapped around an egg and some other stuff. Kind of like the armadillo um, egg type thing. Yeah, they're very similar, very similar, okay. except I think the difference between them is that they don't wrap them in bacon. Uh, with the armadillo, like armadillo eggs are. So, but yeah, so bottom line, we we, we bombed uh, the wild card. We didn't do uh, very well. And then again, we finished dead ass last. So clearly we didn't do very well in the other categories. Um, but again, tons of fun, met some great people. And at the end of the day, I know I say this, like I'm sure people are tired of me saying it. Barbecue's about the people. Yeah. It's about breaking bread. It's about sitting down, having a conversation, getting to know somebody and enjoying that time together. Like we can get as complicated as we want to, but if we really boil it down, it's about, it's about the people. I mean, that's, you, you think about how did barbecue actually start in this country? I mean, it started with people getting, you know, a little town, a little village, whatever, getting a big cut of meat and, and hey, cook we're going to cook it in low and slow in the ground. And then well, of course the department of, so. There's something very primal it's been forever about like my huddling around a fire, right? And if that fire 
is cooking a piece of meat or vegetable, whatever it is, the aromas get in the air, but that huddle around the fire is absolutely a community-driven thing. Fire brings the people together. You're right. And I do, I agree with you 100%. I do think it has something to do with, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago as, you know, as humans evolved. And yeah, I mean, that was literally, you know, when it was cold, you had to learn how to start a fire and everybody huddled together and, you know, talk about building a relationship. That'll build one real quick when you got to huddle together with people around the fire. So from from Michigan, we, we don't do so well. We at DAL, you come back home, long drive home. We've all been on those uh trips at the comp we're kind of kicking ourselves wondering what's wrong maybe we got a, a couple choice words for the judges at least in our heads and then from there you get a, another shot and this is in billings montana billings montana so it was two weeks later july 29th uh, went out there quick turnaround two weeks basically right so um you know went out there and you know, I, I think really it was, I was more relaxed because I, I basically had to surrender, so to speak, right. To the fact that I have no control over what I'm going to cook on. You know, I have no control whether I have my usual tools, like obviously you can't bring knives on a plane. Right. So, yeah. you know, so completely unknown environment. And so I, it, in a way it sounds strange, but in a way it was somewhat, you know, freeing, uh, so to speak, because you, you, you had to, uh, number one, you had to accept the fact that you can't control it, but two, you had, your focus had to be so much more because you, you know, you, you don't know the cookers, right. right. With the exception of the, of the Weber. So, um, but up there, what I decided to do is, you know, it's, it's funny prepping the chicken and the ribs in the hotel. Right. And for the wild card though, that was the, that was the interesting one. Originally I wanted to do what's called uh, pork belly cinnamon rolls. Okay. The problem was, is that I couldn't locate a big enough pork belly slab and I'm sure they're there in Billings, but I went to three different places and couldn't get it. So after the third strike, I was like, okay, we got to reassess. So I subbed in really thick cut bacon, you know, just a really, and, uh, ended up, you know, taking a, taking a leap on that one, literally maple syrup, brown sugar. You know, I took two, four pound packages of bacon or excuse me, two pounds, whatever it was. And I took the whole block, put it in the half pan, covered it with all that stuff and put it in the smoker. And I said, well, we're going to figure it out. <laughs> so, now, were you going for burnt ends type or just thick smoked bacon or what? You had the protein. What was the dish in mind? The dish. So I actually wanted to make what I ended up calling bacon cinnamon rolls, right? Um, and they were, so when I got them out of the smoker, I, I cut them into squares and then I took the longer pieces and wrapped them around those smaller pieces to create somewhat of a cinnamon roll ish look. Okay. Right. And, and that was my, you know, that, that was a gamble. Uh, just like I gambled with uh, the lamb in Michigan, which didn't go well. Uh, but the judges liked that. They liked, uh, I, you know, I got second in, in the wild card and second in chicken and second in ribs. And, and one thing I would tell you uh, for those listening that, want to get into more competing on the WFC side and the eat method desserts for whatever reason tend to do or sweeter items I should say tend to do well in the wild card and my speculation is because at that point the judges have had two savory 
dishes and that sweet kind of caps it off. Yeah. Just my speculation. Wasn't so, it um back to the to the pilot? Did Jordan with Janky Leg did they turn in a dessert? Do you recall? They did. In fact, they, well, they GC'd that event, uh, but they did. They may have gotten first in every category. Or I know they got first in the wild card because they turned in a cheesecake that that looked like something you know out of uh, a magazine. I mean, it was it was like it was a work of art. I mean, it really yeah. was. I mean, it, it was uh, phenomenal. So you know, and that just. Just talking with folks, um, I, I kind of got the impression that okay, well, maybe something sweeter for the you know for the wild card is is a better play. Now I'll say the winner of the wild card was Paul, right? The guy that helped me organize yep. all this stuff and goes, he won with a tri tip, so oh, wow. you know, no guarantees, right? So he he cooked a hell of a tri tip. Um, well, but it also goes back to the way that points are weighted, scores, and what do they say for almost every sanctioning body, the best average barbecue right down the middle of the road and so if your scores are that you know if you're second third third second second in all categories you don't have a first you know but guess what your cooks consistent and cumulative you win you're gonna win it every time that and that's amen to that and that goes across doesn't matter like you said doesn't matter whether it's gba cba kcbs mbn you name it you need to be, you know, uh, that consistency is, is the key and something we all, you know, we all strive for. So, you know, to be clear here too, I mean, I like to be upfront about this. Hey, there were four teams up there, right? Four teams up in, up in Billings. We're supposed to have six, uh, two had to drop out. Uh, same thing in Michigan, supposed to have six, two dropped out, you know, so there's not a lot of, you know, these aren't a lot of teams, but I will tell you that a grand championship or a GC is a GC period. And like I said, you know, Famous Dave's is really committed to continuing to build uh, this program to engage with the community, which I think, which I think is really cool. But I do want to camp out on the eat method to make sure we chat about that uh, before I get too sidetracked, which I tend because to Because this is, this is an affiliate, correct? Between Famous Dave's as the entity and the location, but with World Foods as the sanctioning body, correct? Bingo. That's, cor- that's correct. That's exactly right. I, I appreciate you bringing that up to kind of give some context so WFC is the sanctioning body, and they use what's called the EAT, E-A-T method of judging, which is a far cry from what a lot of us are used to at KCBS. Really, it's a far cry from any other thing. I mean, it, it, it is not even close. It's just a much different way to, to analyze it. So EAT, E-A-T, execution, appearance, taste. Execution, appearance, taste. Execution, this is really, really important. And again, learn the hard way. Another unique aspect when you turn in, for example, when you turn in your chicken box, which is for these famous Dave's all-star events, chicken's the first turn in at noon. They're going to give you a little sticky post-it note, and you're going to put that on your box, and you're going to write a brief description as to what is in the box. Oh. So as, as an example, we did sweet and smoky Memphis-style chicken thighs. Now, is there a bit of salesmanship marketing in that? Absolutely. 100%. Because what you don't want to do is just put chicken thighs. <laughs> like, you, you, they know it's chicken. <laughs> so, you know, but the execution piece, here's, here's the critical component. If you put sweet and smoky Memphis-style chicken thighs, they better be sweet and smoky. Yeah. 
Because if they're not, they could be, it could be the best chicken on the planet. But it's not what it's labeled. Bingo. And you're going to get dinged big time on the execution. And just like, you know, in the KCBS side, tenderness is given the highest weight. On the WFC side, the execution is given the highest weight. So if you miss them, if you miss the mark there, not saying you can't still do well, it's, it's, you're, you're, it's a tough road to hoe, right? And of course, appearance is, you know, appearance. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. And then taste. Again, somewhat subjective, of course, but to your point earlier, finding that middle of the road between, you know, that's, for me, I, th- I feel like a, a lot of people want the sweet heat, right? Sweet on the front end, a little bit of kick on the back end, nothing crazy. Yeah. I feel like that's a good kind of middle of the road place to stay. Cause you don't know, you know, like in Michigan, for example, their barbecue is much different than it is in Nashville, than it is in Augusta, than it is There's in Billings. So regionality you know, everywhere. Right. Uh, you know, like Kansas city, they're heavy on the sweet, right. You know, typically, you know, um, whereas like Texas, for example, you know, it's pretty much salt, pepper, SPG on everything. So that's the big thing of like about the eat method is you got to nail the execution. You got to nail what you describe is in the box. It has to be what you said it is. Otherwise, it's a tough battle to fight. And so another twist. So you turn in your chicken, that's a blind box. You turn in your ribs, another blind box, same thing. You take a post-it note that they give you, you write on there what's in the box. And again, it better taste like what you said. Because I sometimes, and most people like to play devil's advocate, if I can, about writing this on the box, did the judges see that? Or does that go to somebody helping? And I guess- if you have the same handwriting and you're writing on each box, yes, the judges might not know because it's a blind box turn in or is it a blind box turn? I guess I didn't ask that. It is because what, what they do is so like in Billings is an example. So there was a turn in table with uh, an employee of the famous Dave's. We would hand our box to her. She was outside. The judges are inside the restaurant. Okay. We hand our box to her. It's got our number on it. Standard, you know, just in any KCBS event. She takes it in. Okay. So, you know, now, Presumably that person's reading your description of your turn box and not necessarily the judges reading it and laying eyes on, I guess, the same handwriting box after box. Is it, does that make sense? Be- for a little bias? I believe what happened. So I'm not hundred percent on this, but I believe what happens is the WFC rep for that contest takes the box from the volunteer or the employee and they then read it to the judges. Okay. All right. Again, don't quote me on that. I don't know for sure, but that's that's my I like how in KCBS a, a table captain shows the box around first before the judges getting their piece out of it. Correct. Now I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's done that way or if it's you know because they sit in a line, right? The judges. So obviously, you know, with four teams competing, we don't have sixty judges. You know, we have yeah. four or five. But they sit in a line. Again, I'm just speculating here because I, I wasn't in there. I suspect that they just simply, you know, pass the box down the line. Everybody okay. takes a piece. I mean, I, I, I suspect that. I don't know for sure. But the other twist here, though, is that the, the wild card is not blind. The wild card goes on a silver platter, not a styrofoam box. Oh. And you have to present that in person in front of the judges. So you better know how to describe it, and you better know how to be excited, and you better, better know how to sell. Is, you stand up there and go, hey, I got uh, 
Got some tri-tip here and uh, hit it with some salt and pepper. Is the, uh, for the wild card, the turn-in, is it drawn? Is it first come, first serve uh, as far as turn-in goes? Good question. It is first come, first serve. So the turn-in times, the window is exactly the same as it is, you know, KCBS. Five minutes before the hour, five minutes after the hour, right? So like wild card turn-ins at one, so the window opens at 12.55. Now, another unique characteristic is that as soon as you turn that box in, it's getting judged. They're not waiting until like all the boxes are They're eating it as you're giving your description of it. Well, the as far as the, they are not eating it. Uh, they're not eating the wild card as you're describing it. You describe it, give your spiel. They, they do have an opportunity to ask questions and then you, you leave and they do their thing, right? Okay. So I just thought it was pretty neat because you do have to be, you got to sharpen the saw and you got to talk about, what kind of, you know, charcoal you used, why you used that charcoal, what temperature you cooked it. I mean, I hit everything, you know, I told them, here's what we cooked it on. Here's the temperature. Uh, here's why we did this. Here's the adversity we faced. I mean, really, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying get up there and talk for 20 minutes, but you need to do more than just say, well, it's, it's tri-tip with some salt and pepper. Like you need to, you need to sell it. Right? Well, and, and to me, and, you know, I know maybe more because I've done several competitions as yourself, but for listeners who may not know or might be new to the show or something, different sanctioning bodies have different rules, regulations. And it sounds like, at least for the wild card, this format of pre presenting your turn into them is a little uh, MBN with how there's on-site judges for finals or Memphis and May where you have your turn in box, you still have your on-site. And if you make it to finals, you present again to live judges, but that live piece definitely is what separates, uh, you know, MBN away from, but it sounds like this eat, you know, program is, is nearly the same, at least for the final category. That's exactly right. Now. And the interesting thing is, you know, if you, if you earn a golden ticket, right. So uh, they give a gold, a golden ticket, meaning you make it to the world food championships in Dallas in November, which only goes to the grand or to the winner of the so they, wild card. Well, it's guaranteed that the, the GC and the RGC get a golden ticket. That's a, that's okay. a, that's a guarantee. The uh, people's choice, excuse me, uh, they do have the ability, the contest rep, the WFC rep, has the ability to make a game time decision and say, yes, we're going to award a golden ticket for the person that wins people's choice, or no, we're not. And it's based on their perception of how the teams are engaging with the public and doing what they're supposed to do. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, and it makes a lot of sense, right? So, you know, I didn't think I knew that wasn't going to be a problem for us because I had talked to the other competitors and they're, you know, very personable social people, you know, good folks. So I, I knew that wasn't going to be. And it wasn't like, you know, Randall Bowman, who was the WFC rep there, you know, he said at the end, hey, we're going to give a golden ticket away for uh, for people's choice. So, it's important that you don't discount people's choice, which I know is like the, you know, ah, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, like, and in other sanctioning bodies that do people's choice, there you've heard the moans and groans from several other cooks that don't care for it, you know, and and that's the low hanging fruit, as we've discussed several times on, on previous episodes. You know, you folks can go listen that it's it's the one low hanging fruit for all the competitions to get the public involved or give back if it's for a nonprofit by, you know, generating sales for those tickets, et cetera. 
it's and and there's been a consistent and absolute steadfast consistent message on this podcast by Kurt that has said that's not enough we have got to do more teams have to get out there shake hands rub elbows talk invite them into your trailer and at the same time there's there's pushback from from teams it, it is chaotic uh I'll this past weekend we did a little non-sanctioned backyard comp uh, here in the community. And I actually ran a catering at the same time because I wasn't going to say no to guaranteed money. Uh, sure. So I, I had cooked both. And my wife was very fortunate. She helped deliver that. Well, you know as well as I do, during those turn-in times, you are laser focused. I mean, you are dialed in. Had some folks who wanted to come hang out that live in the area. And I said, guys, here's the deal. From 11.31 until 1.31, you can come say hi, but if all you get from me is a wave, don't be mad. I I'm here for this time. It is, it is go time. Go time. Yep. Yep. And I like that. And you're exactly right. I mean, we, we as teams, as barbecue enthusiasts, as pit, whatever you want to call yourself, if you're passionate about barbecue, whether it's competing, vending, catering, restaurant, you name it. You're right. All of us, you know, all of us need to do whatever we can do to engage the public, make them feel welcome, make them feel like they can ask questions within, you know, setting some boundaries like you've set. I think that's important. You know, people, you know, most people are going to respect that. But you're right. We, we, we need to continue to not to sound cliche here, but we need to continue to level up. Right. Yeah. We need to continue to 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 do the things we need to do to attract people to barbecue as a whole doesn't necessarily mean they got to compete, but I want to, you know, like for my boys, I want, and maybe, and probably you as well. I want them to learn barbecue. Now they may tell me in a couple of years, Hey dad, this is stupid. I don't want to do this anymore. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but 10 years later, they might go, Oh, I love this stuff. I don't know. So. Well, and you're teaching a trade, a craft that is going to be beneficial to them whether they use it or not, to know how to cook or cook something, one cuisine at least. There you go. That's right. So I would also say to kind of wrap this up, but so you won grand champion for the Billings uh, Famous Dave's competition, correct? That's correct. Now, are you invited to another? Do you have a chance at, at a repeat GC or are they capping you? No, I do have a chance. So actually tomorrow, uh, Thursday, what's today? The, I guess it's the 10th. Yeah, tomorrow's the 10th, August 10th. I'm flying out to San Jose uh, oh, wow. to compete to compete uh, in there. You know, there's a competition out there at Famous Dave's in San Jose. There's six other rock star, excuse me, five other rock star pit masters along with myself. So we'll have six teams total. Uh, there's actually a lot of buzz in San Jose. I was told that there is a waiting list about a mile long to get into that competition. So Wow. That's encouraging. And, and again, same deal, right? Going back to what we talked about, barbecue brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, was fortunate to connect with somebody out there in San Jose. And, hey, do you want, you know, basically said, do you want A, B, or C? And I said, well, I want C. And he said, well, how many do you want? I mean, it was oh, that. That's awesome. You know, so yeah. it's just super cool. No matter, you know, Montana, San Jose, doesn't matter. You know, even, in, even up in uh, Westland, uh, Michigan, you know, completely forgot to bring my little a little power pack that I used to, to, to power the fan for the gravity feed, you know, Bert McClain with PB and J's right next to me. He's like, Hey man, 
go ahead and hook up to my generator. No worries. You know, so that's the kind of stuff I like. That's awesome. So it looks like you're going to be putting in some miles. Let's see, you've gone north, you've gone northwest, and now you're going all the way west. Now we're going all the way west. That's right. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I'd say big congratulations. Looks like you're building and learning from each of them, which, you know, as you were talking about the, the EAT method, uh, one thing did occur to me, if EAT is for the execution and you really cooked that lamb, you, you executed that lamb pretty well. So I would have said you should have won on that, at least the execution part, uh, if it was that, <laughs> that overcooked. It, it uh, well, if I would have put, hey, this is overcooked lamb, <laughs> then, then I might have been a little fared a little bit better, but uh, I didn't. Uh, so, okay. I don't. I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't recommend that though. <laughs> okay. Any um, any bold predictions? Bold predictions. Um, here's a bold prediction for you. I believe that Ironhead Barbecue is going to be national in five years. That's what I believe. I love that. That's so, awesome. We'll see if that shakes out. Okay, man. Well, hey, thanks for being a guest on the Barbecue Life podcast. Uh, something that you're a little bit familiar to. Big thanks for letting me uh, kind of change roles here and interview you. Like and subscribe if you haven't this podcast. Uh, there are tons and tons of other podcasts. Great interviews. Uh, I was actually in this lead up. Uh, I listened to, to all the new ones or excuse me, all the beginning ones, the, uh, the first intro the one with Robbie and, and so on all the way up just to yep. refresh myself. So you're doing a great job, man. Keep it going on and we'll see you down the road. Thanks so much for listening to the barbecue life. Share this episode with a buddy who loves barbecue or is just starting to get into it. Follow us for more on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Talk to you next time. Keep calm and smoke on.